My name is Marley Petrus. I am Miss Milwaukee County, USA, and this is my interview with the Pageant Project. Hey everyone, it's Adrian from The Pageant Project and our special guest for today is Marley Petrus, who is Miss, I'm looking over there because I'm reading it because I know I'm going to screw it up, Miss Milwaukee County, USA. She's also founder and CEO of Support Local MKE, which stands for Milwaukee, for those of you who don't know, podcast host of Local Local Legends Milwaukee, social media manager at Light the Hone and Milwaukee home molly welcome to the show <laughs> thank you i'm so happy to be here you nailed that have i forgotten <laughs> yeah it's really difficult reading it off a screen right i mean have i forgotten anything do you want to add anything to that no, no that's pretty much it <laughs> i also uh yeah. i work full time too on top of that but <laughs> only well, an just- entrepreneur would say that like after all of that they go oh yeah and i have a full-time job and they always mention that last with us kind of entrepreneurial types like yeah we've got a full-time job we got it for now but you know when all this stuff kicks off then you know um well look it's great to have you here and this is sort of the first time i'm making a shift to interviewing um not only people who compete in pageants uh, women who compete in pageants but also women who are have started their own business or app or non-for-profit or their own podcast and all the other stuff you're doing. Um, So I guess let's start with the easy stuff. Let me ask you about where you're at at the moment, because it's been a long time since I've been to the United States. Given the current conditions, it's probably going to be at least another six to 12 months before I can get back to the United States. Uh, But tell tell us a little bit about where you're from and uh, a little bit about it. Yeah, so I was born in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I lived there until I was about nine years old. I actually moved when I was nine. I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, and I lived there for four and a half years. And on my 13th birthday, we moved all the way to Indiana. I lived there for four and a half years. And then for college, I came back to Wisconsin, and I've been in Milwaukee ever since. So that was that was 2014 is when I started my college experience. So I absolutely fell in love with Milwaukee, and I kind of just haven't left and I don't plan on leaving. So. (laughs) Okay. Can you tell our viewers, I know a little bit, as I told you somewhat ironically, I know a little bit about Milwaukee because I spent a couple of months there, probably two or three months there, but can you tell our viewers a little bit about Milwaukee? What, um, what makes you love it so much? Yeah, I am kind of what my friends call me is a walking encyclopedia of Milwaukee. <laughs> so if they ever want something to do, and it depends on the category, I could probably rattle off five different places. But I kind of immersed myself into not only like the culture of Milwaukee, but just the people, the experiences and everything around it. And I just fell in love. I remember when I when I started going to college, I went to, I went to Cardinal Church University, and that was just outside the city. And the first time I walked around Milwaukee, I thought it was this gigantic, huge, miraculous city. I literally got lost probably at least the first two weeks. I would drive down there and just plot myself somewhere and be like, okay, now where am I? <laughs> and from that point on, it it actually became something familiar. Uh, Milwaukee, although it's a city, it, it kind of has that towny feel. And the running joke is it's, it's known as small walkie. 
uh, once once you know the right people, they know those people, and then you find out that everyone kind of knows each other. And to be honest, it has that small town feel, and I think that's why I love it a lot. <laughs> Let me just see. I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to test you, but I'm just trying to remember what I remember about Milwaukee. And since you said you're the encyclopedia, yeah. so <laughs> I, I when I was in Milwaukee, I've already told you the Red Elephant Cafe. Yes. The, or the Red Elephant Chocolate. I used to go there all the time. Yep. And the lady recognized me like months apart, which was amazing. So that's yes. still there, but you said it's changed what it does. Yeah. So the owners of Red Elephant, they closed shop and they now open Nicole's Third Ward Social. So that's in the Third Ward. It's right by, uh, it's in the same location. So if you were to go back, it would yep. still be there. Uh, the Red Elephant Chocolates, they just sell it out of their new restaurant bar kind of thing. Okay. And then on the other, literally, we'll see how good you are. On the other side of the street, I yes. think there was like a little, like a little pub or somewhere that's got like an upstairs, like beer garden, but I think it's only yes. open. The upstairs is only open like a few months of the year because it's so cold. Is yes. that still there? <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. So Cafe, what was the name of that place? That's Cafe, right. Yep. So what they actually do now, that rooftop is still there and in the winter, uh, they started doing this even before the pandemic, but they have these little igloos that you can sit in and they're they're uh they were definitely a fad this past winter almost like every restaurant had them and they are so much fun <laughs> they're so cool they're nice and warm they're spacious but it's still there okay and then the the i can't remember the name of the marketplace but the marketplace that has all the little is that still there yes the walking public market <laughs> That's right. Okay. I remember getting a little takeaway from there. I think it was like a little curry or a laxer and I got it and I spilt it all over myself. It's all, oh, no. it's all coming back to me now. And then there's like a, now this is not right near there, but it's close. Yeah. It's near the, the bridge uh, into, into downtown. There's like a cycle, um, a cycle gym. Is it okay. Spire? I yes. I can't remember what it's. Yep. Uh -huh. That's right. There's a couple of them now over there too, but Spire is still there. Yes. Okay, Spire is still there. Yep. All mm -hmm. right. And then the only other thing that I remember right at the moment anyway is now I can't remember if it was a museum or an art gallery, but yes. my friend told me I had to go and see it because the sale architecture, yes. and she said it was in the background of Transformers. Yes. So I went there. What was that? Was that the gallery? Is that a gallery or was that a... That's the art museum. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the wings, uh, they always open and close every morning and night. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember going there. I know they have good coffee. Um, it's probably the only time I've, I've been to an art museum. Uh, and uh, when I was sitting outside there, there was a bunch of Michael Jackson impersonators. There was like five or six of them for some bizarre reason. Um, but the thing with you, it's funny you call it small walkie, or that's what yeah. it's called. Oh, I yeah. come from Sydney, which is a pretty big city, right? And I flew oh, yeah. in got into the middle of downtown, which I would assume is the busiest place. That's why it's called yeah. downtown. But it was the most bizarre thing. I was telling my friend, because she was born in Nebraska. She was working yeah. in Milwaukee at the time. Yeah. And I said, Kirby, it's really weird, but I don't see anyone. Like, I see all the cars parked down the middle of the road, but I literally don't see anyone. Like, where are all the people? And she said, she, she, I was, she was so glad I said that because she had thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. Is it still kind of the same where, like, yes. you don't see the people? Like, where do yeah. they all go? Yeah, so it's it's a city that sleeps at night. That's, that's what it's known as. <laughs>
Okay. They all go to sleep. (laughs) But no, you're not wrong. It's still, that's how it is. Uh, When you go to Chicago, you could, you know, let's say you live there or you are staying there when you leave your hotel and you walk around at any point in time, you're going to see people in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. at any point in time when you leave, that could change. You could, if you walk during the day, you'll see a couple people. If you walk, you know, go to the third ward on a Saturday, you're going to see a whole bunch of people, even on a Sunday. Mm. But if it's like, I don't know why you would go on a walk on Monday at 10 PM, but if you were to do that, you would probably see like five people. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's, it's the yeah. city that sleeps. <laughs> I, I always felt exceptionally safe in Milwaukee. I did spend a little bit of time in Chicago. I went to Chicago for the women's March. Um, I, I'm not sure if I would have just walked around by myself out there late at night, but Milwaukee, I never felt anything other than safe. Um, last question for the encyclopedia. So if we go back to the Red Elephant Cafe, and you know you go up the, away from the market and on the same side, it's like an, it's an Italian restaurant. I used to go there quite a lot. Is that still there? Onesto. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. that's right. Yep. There's okay. also another one they brought in. Uh, they have a whole new hotel. It's called The Journeyman. They have The Outsider on top, which is a rooftop bar. And then below, they have an Italian restaurant called The Revolvi. Or I always say it wrong. <laughs> I'm clearly not Italian. <laughs> but it's really good. That one's really good, too. Kind of nice to hear that the places that I remember are still there because sometimes, you know, you you haven't been there for, I think I was back there 2017, like early 2017. So it's been four years now. Yeah. Um, And it's good to hear that those places are still there and actually that they survived the pandemic because a lot of of places um, didn't survive. So you really, you really do know your stuff. Literally, I can, not that I disbelieve you, but I can literally tell you, like, start from here, walk up there, and you're like, and, and you know the names of the places. Well, do you, do you, I mean, do you just have them in your head or do you, like, visit these places all the time? Because obviously with all the other stuff you do, like support local MKE, for yeah. example. So how often do you actually visit these places? Yeah, so that's actually kind of how that all started. Is So I didn't start support local Milwaukee until the pandemic started. And since I've been living in Milwaukee since 2014, I would go to these places all the time. I actually have kind of a head up on the third ward area. I used to live in the third ward area. So every weekend I would just walk up and down (laughs) the street. And even when I started support local, that's kind of how the idea hit me was seeing all of my favorite businesses closed and that, or just not really knowing how to, you know, hit their new consumers. So thus support local Milwaukee. (laughs) That's that's amazing. All right. Um, yeah, it's it's just so weird. I can talk about Milwaukee because it's literally <laughs> the only place probably outside of my hometown yeah. of Sydney yeah. that I can remember in such vivid detail because I would spend so much time there. I was staying at an yeah. Airbnb and there was nothing to do around the Airbnb. So I would spend all my time before work and after, war- after work in the third ward, um, which is also where my friend lived. Uh, so just to put you on the spot a little bit, your coffee yeah. person, as we've discussed. Oh, yeah. Where's your so, favorite coffee place? This is okay. important to know. So, this is like a running list and it changes every day. <laughs> uh, but my <laughs> all time favorite coffee shop in Milwaukee was the 889 Stone Creek. Uh, I love Stone Creek coffee. That was my favorite coffee shop. They unfortunately closed during the pandemic, uh, as well as a couple of their other locations, but they still have some in Milwaukee. They have the downer location and the factory location. And those are like the factory locations closer to my full-time job. So I'll go there on my lunch break. 
And then the downer location, they have a whole bunch of outdoor seating. That's their newer location. And it's just beautiful over there. I love going there. I love the people there. Uh, there's also, since we're talking about coffee, uh, <laughs> there's also, uh, Canary, Canary coffee. They open, they're located some more central downtown. Uh, they're yeah. also really good. And then Wannable cafe. Uh, so Wannable is a clothing company. It's an online subscription clothing company that was, uh, it started in Milwaukee. And so they recently moved and they built on a cafe which is just even better. <laughs> yeah. And so they're very hip. And as far as their design to their interior design was very well done. That cafe is very well done. And it's just fun to go to if you ever need like a creative mind. So I like going right. to. So <laughs> okay. clearly I've been talking about forever. <laughs> well, it's funny you say creative mind because I, I was writing a book when I was in Milwaukee. So I would go to the cafes to have time by myself yeah. to write a book. So they would get to know me. And also yeah. I'm very particular about my coffee. So I'd always, yeah. and the, the coffee that I have here normally is what we call a long black, which okay. is just, it's like a technically a double shot with yeah. boiling water added to it. Yeah. I think you guys call it an Americano. Yes. I think that's what it is. Yes. But it took me two or three years to find that out. I actually found that at the art museum because I asked a woman there and I said, <laughs> I was so, I was so annoyed never being able to get my coffee because I had long black and it was never on the menu. And then she finally told me what it was. There's a lot. Of, yeah. Um, okay. So what about favorite place, let's say to have a, an, a weekend breakfast? Where would you go? Breakfast. There's a couple places. So there is uh, Sweet Diner, which is also in the third ward. I love that place. Um, there's Cafe Hollander on Downer. I really like going there. There's also a Cafe Hot. There's a lot of Cafe Hollanders <laughs> that I really like. There's also one uh, just outside of the city as well uh, in Mequon. I like going there too. So as far as brunch goes, it kind of depends on what I'm feeling because my brunch is coffee. <laughs> Um, but that cafe <laughs> too in third ward is, um, is also really good for brunch. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I had a hollandaise there. So, you know, the eggs with the, with a yes. sort of becamel sauce and the bacon and I was like, Oh God, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question and then we'll move on. Although I'm sure we'll come back to it. So I'm going to ask you about favorite place for dinner, but before we do that, Nikki, yeah. no, Richard, I'm not sure if you know, she yeah. said cheers with the, um, the coffee emoji. <laughs> Please send coffee, Nikki. Cheers. Wait, Have I'll a... here. <laughs> there you go. And, and by the way, guys, I can see you watching. If you have any questions, if you haven't seen my interview before, this is supposed to be interactive. I'm just monopolizing all of Marley's time. So if you have any questions or messages of support, um, questions about anything to do with her pageant journey or entrepreneurship or just about Milwaukee, is you know, well, I think I've asked her everything. <laughs> go through it in the comments and, and we can run it through her pages. Uh, but favorite place for, let's say, a nice dinner? Well, that depends on the category, but I personally, I love sushi. So Screaming Tuna is a really good place. Um, there is this new uh, pasta bar that kind of opened up and they now have more than one location, but their first location was in Bayview. It's Egg and Flour, which is really good. Um, I personally love it. And the owner is very, very sweet. Um, where else do I go for dinner? I go to so many places. Ooh, uh, tacos. I love tacos. I just went to a taco place in uh, Bayview last night, but there's also several in Walker's Point that are really good. And, uh, there's one on the East side too. Hmm. 
<laughs> That's a good too many question. Places to choose from. Yeah. It's so funny. The first place you mentioned was Screaming Tuna. Because yes. that's the place I used to go for dinner all the time when I wasn't love at the it. when I wasn't at Ernesto, I was going to love screaming it. tuna it's because so, I love sushi. It's um, so too. <laughs> I think they had this thing called like volcano rolls or something. It was this sort of long, you know, long ones, like four, eight yeah. pieces, and it had like so, so I had so many things there. Spent way too much money there. But after a long day at work, yeah. I would go there. And I always felt like really well looked after. It's so weird. It's all coming back to me now, like it was yesterday. Um, anyway, <laughs> well, oh yeah, it's funny that yeah, I've, I've found the one person who I can talk to about entrepreneurship <laughs> and Milwaukee. Let it all out. Um, Just let it out. Yeah, and as, as I told you, I was working there because the yeah. biggest online uh, tennis YouTube channel is located not in Milwaukee. It's in Wisconsin, yeah. but it's like I think forty minutes. It's kind of like in. It's almost like farm area. Like you literally have to drive okay. through large farm areas to get there. Okay. I remember all the roadworks that were going on, but it's called Essential Tennis. Okay. Um, and I was working there. He, I think Ian, his name is Ian Westerman. He's since relocated his offices to downtown Milwaukee, I believe. Okay. But um, cool. I don't know. Something yeah. about Milwaukee. Anyway, <laughs> just to divert for a second to pageants, yes. uh, how did you get involved in the crazy world of pageantry to begin with? Yeah, so that's a great question. I so when I graduated college, I felt I could just tackle everything. So in college, I was on scholarship with running track. I also had two part-time jobs and an internship. And so again, when I graduated, all that was lifted off my plate and just saying everything I was doing in college alone I'm the kind of person that I just have to have stackables. I have to have something to do at every point and every minute. And so when I graduated, I had nothing for the first time in my life. I had absolutely nothing. So I decided to just chase after things that I've always wanted to do. And I just never had the time or the opportunities to do so. Mm. Modeling was one of those. So I just went after it. And that led to pageantry. So someone found me on Instagram and I competed down in Miami for Miss Bikini US. And that was my very first pageant. So when I returned, that was probably in July, mid-July I returned. Mm -hmm. I posted and I said, I enjoyed it so much. Which other pageants do you recommend that I try? And someone commented on my post. And she said, you would be absolutely perfect for the Miss USA system. And I, I never really considered myself good enough for that system. And that is actually who commented or Nikki. Uh, she's my pageant coach. And we had one month to prepare and I showed up <laughs> and it was the one month. Yes. Less than a month to prepare. <laughs> I showed up <laughs> and it was, this was in 2019, mind you. And it was the greatest experience I've ever had in my entire life when it comes to pageants. And immediately when I finished, I was so I placed top 15. And immediately when I finished, I, I knew I wanted to come back. I absolutely knew that this was I just felt right. It felt right. Felt like a good fit. And I felt like I just belonged there. <laughs> so modeling is kind of how I got into it. And pageants to me, I mean, it's just more of that, you know, it's, it's, it's putting all of my pieces, my business side of things, my modeling side of things, it's presenting that all in just one statement, basically. So. 
So you had one month to prepare, and <laughs> after the one month of preparation in your second pageant ever, you placed <laughs> top fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> that that's yeah. that's probably a sign. I mean, and then if you're like pretty much everyone else, twenty twenty kind of didn't really exist, at least in terms of yeah. pageants anyway. You're so now you you're back in it for 2021. So yes. uh, going going back into it this time, do you have any expectations, like performance expectations? Because it can be very difficult, like pageantry can be, the, the judging is always subjective, it's not objective. Yeah. So, you know, you came top 15 last time, are you trying to yes. equal that? Are you just trying to go in there to do your best or do you want to go up? Yeah, so the way I look at it, so again, I was a track athlete in track, although it's a team sport, it's it's mostly individual. And so the way that I look at it is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's in your heat. It doesn't matter who you're racing against. It doesn't matter what times they say that they've hit. What matters is you know the times you need to hit and you know, like you're racing against yourself. I'm going there and I'm going to be everything that I can be. And I'm going to leave the pageant, whether I win or lose or make top 15 or I don't, I'm going to leave and just be the same person as I entered the door as I'm exiting. So there really isn't an expectation. It's, it's more of me just being here and just fully immersing into everything that I've been preparing for for almost two years. I mean, we didn't have a pageant last year. So it's, it's literally just like, here's me, you know, uh, two years later. And I feel... Like I'm a completely different person as far as growth and it's, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. It's funny. The first time through you had one month to prepare this time. Yeah. You've had two years to prepare. <laughs> you, you're kind of opposite end of the spectrum there. Um, but as you said, with, with the track as being a track athlete and then also the entrepreneurial side, I just want to ask you, so in terms of pageantry, which part is your favorite? Like which part appeals to you? Cause you're also the model as well. So yeah. I'm really curious to hear from you. Like which part do you yeah. actually like the most? I love swim. I love swimwear. I, I think that's the time where I really get to shine. That's when modeling clashes, but also my personality on stage classes clashes. It's super fun. It's exciting. And that's where I feel most comfortable. And again, I'm, it's not like a bad nervous. It's more of like, I'm nervous, excited mm. and yeah. swimwear for some reason, every time I do it, it's just here I am. And I'm just having a great time. <laughs> So swimwear is by far my favorite. It's it's always fun. And all the girls too backstage are always excited about it because it's yeah. it's the less pressure. You know, you're not really concerned about anything. You're just out there doing you, having fun. <laughs> so that's my favorite. Well, that that's for you. I mean, if I had to compete in a swimwear yeah. section, I don't I don't think I'd be nervous, <laughs> excited. I'd just be at the back throwing up, going, Oh my god, don't make me do this. But you know, it's different different horses for different horses. Um where when it comes to um track athlete, you said you're a track athlete. What uh, you were running, right? You were a runner. You are yeah. Runner. Yes. Yeah. I so I started running when I was in first grade. <laughs> I um yeah, I seriously, it started, it all started. Uh, we would have these little tyke meets, like elementary meets. And I don't know, I, I tried basketball. I tried tennis, like I tried everything. Soccer, I was too fast. The ball would just kind of fall behind me. Basketball, it'd be like, there it goes, you know? And I mean, I tried, I, I enjoyed every sport, but track for some reason, less coordination. <laughs> you only had to do was turn left. And it just naturally to me, I loved it. And 
So when we moved to Salt Lake, I joined track club. I actually won state out there uh, for a four by four. It was USATF, USATF uh, state competition at BYU. We beat the four by four record by 20 seconds. Um, when we moved That's to a Eden, lot. Yeah, it was. It was, well, my coach, first of all, he made me run the 400 because back then I was a 100, 200 meter athlete. And he always swore to me, he said, you're going to be a 100 meter athlete, whether you like it or not, when you grow up. <laughs> and he told me this when I was nine. And he was right. I actually ran the 800 in college and went to nationals three times in the 800 meters. So he was not wrong. <laughs> I don't know what he saw in me, but um, I uh, the 800 meters has this very special place in my heart. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I remember reading an interview with an 800 meter runner over here in Australia. I believe she was an Olympian. Yeah. And she described the 800 meters as a very, in terms of an emotional journey, because people might hear that and go, it's not that long. It's not a marathon, especially yeah. compared to 100 and 200. But yeah. she said the elements of emotions and the pain and the endurance you have to go through yeah. is huge. Is, is that also your experience with the 800? Yes. So I didn't start running the 800 until my junior year of college and to train for it, I ran cross country, which again, <laughs> not fun, but I mean, I did it and it was all for just two laps. To be honest, you would yeah. literally train almost all year round. You would get put in races. So for instance, if it was a training meet, I would run a 400, then I'd run the 800. And then one time my coach literally made me run a race right before my 800 just for training purposes. It's, it's literally an emotional journey. It's, I mean, I ran the 400 and that's an emotional journey, but a two 800 is literally you're going for two laps, you know, and it's, it's a wild ride. It takes a lot of just discipline and determination. And I think a part of me misses that competition and that's kind of where it applies into my life. And so that motivation is just insane just to be able to, you know, pull that off. But once you're good at it, you can't stop. <laughs> it's a, it's a love hate relationship. That's for sure. That's exactly how I feel about tennis. Um, what was your daily sort of training or weekly yeah. training regimen or routine? You, you said yeah. you kind of missed that. What, how disciplined was it? Cause it sounds like it was yeah. super, super disciplined. Yeah. So on average, I was running 50 miles a week. I would have a three minute mile. Uh, I mean, not three minute mile, ignore that. <laughs> I would have. That's pretty five, good at three minute mile. No, my mile time was five, <laughs> 10, but not three minutes. I would probably be famous if that was true, <laughs> but I would do uh, at five 30 in the morning, I would do three miles. Then I would lift on my lunch and then um, at 3, 3.30, we would have track practice. And every Sunday we would run between, uh, it's eight to 12 miles. So those would be our long mile runs. Um, yeah. <laughs> and still till this day, I don't do that much, but I work out every single day. It's still with me. When 3 p.m. hits, it I don't work out until after work and I don't get off work at 4 until 4. But when 3 p.m. hits, it's almost like a switch is in me. And I feel like I need to go to the gym or I need to run. Like, it's just really <laughs> built in me. <laughs> so I can thank my coach for that. But <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's a lifestyle. And, you know, once you're in it for that long, 
it just becomes mm -hmm. a part of you and you just can never let that go. <laughs> Let me let me just in terms of the fitness aspect of it, the recovery, because you run, I mean, obviously, yeah. you were younger back then, there's an element of, you know, when you're 12 or 14 or 18, you can do whatever yeah. you want, and you never seem to re have to recover. Yeah. But in terms of how to recover, for example, when I go to play tennis, it's not actual tennis, it's literally yeah. I used to be a coach. So yeah. I can hold three or four balls in my hand. And I play with my best friend who's about the same level as me. And as soon as a rally goes dead, I feed in another one, another one, another one, there's no serving, sitting down, tiling off chatting. Yeah. So by the end of an hour of that, I used to have to go through three or four training partners because I would break them. Um, and, you know, when I was 20 something, that was okay. Now I do that and I, I can't do anything, let's say for at least 24 to 48 hours afterwards. So do you have any sort of tips or what do you do for the recovery aspect of it so that you can keep training? Cause you said you, you still train every day. How yeah. can you do that? So when I was, so my recovery now is so much different from when I was training in college. When I was training in college, recovery was based on where you're at in the season and where you're progressing. So as you get later and later in the season, your body's adapting more to the training. So you're actually getting quicker and quicker. So your body uh, doesn't really have to do too much to maintain that. Um, so our practices would just get lighter and lighter. The first yeah. part of the season, that was always, to be honest, it was the worst, but the best. The mm. first two weeks of training, it's almost like you become addicted because you know you're going to be sore, but it's like such a good feeling because you yeah. know you worked so hard to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. um, now it's uh, my advice for recovery. And I, I know a lot of people aren't really big fans of cardio, but to be honest, you don't have to, you know, get on a treadmill and feel like you have to sprint in order to stay in shape. There's, I actually, I, I run still, but I maintain my you know, um, physique by doing weights. I do a lot of weights and you can still do, you know, cardio style lifting and, uh, recovery for that is just taking rest days, rolling out, stretching, um, water intake, eating, mm -hmm. eating healthy. It's just, you know, you just have to keep, you just have to stay disciplined. That's basically recovery is, is take care of yourself, listen to your body. Um, know the difference between your body saying I'm tired or, I don't feel like doing this today. <laughs> um, that's where the discipline comes in. So, um, but yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you heard of the runner's high? Because this is something I heard on the podcast on a podcast the other day. I can't remember which podcast. Yeah. And they say literally people who are addicted to running, they're basically running. They hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Oh my God. It's the best thing ever. So is that a real thing? This yes. runner's high? Yes. So again, as I was saying in college, as you, as you're training more and more and you're getting later and later in the season, what happens is your body's you're so in shape that the workouts don't, necessarily feel like workouts like it is the best feeling in the world knowing that you can just hit a split you can hit a time and you can drop time and that's when the runner's high kicks in is because your body is at that point right now where you're just you're at an ultimate performance rate and you're even surprising yourself so like let's say i need to hit a 220 and i hit a 215 it's like that's where the runner high kicks in because you're like i did that like this is amazing i love running <laughs> it's it's like it's the best feeling in the entire world. Definitely. Can, can I just say, I, I, I hate running. Um, <laughs> I love running for a tennis ball, but I've always yeah. struggled. Like they say, yeah. oh, you know, when I grow up, my, my big dream is to run a marathon. And I used to tell people that because that's what everyone says. Now I can't <laughs> think of anything worse. But the way you've described it, yeah. it sounds so exciting. I actually feel yeah. like I want to give it a go. Yeah, it like, is like, we'll see. 
the idea of competing against myself and dropping time, that's really yeah. appealing. The yes. thought of going out now at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. when it's cold, it's dark because it's winter here, yeah. and just running until I feel like throwing up is very unappealing. So yeah. if I wanted to get into it and wanted to get better, because I'm the sort of person who I need to be getting better at something to really keep doing it, yeah. where should I start? I, I'm relatively in shape, yeah. but when it comes to running, it's like it's my mind that goes because I get so bored. Where should I start? Yeah, so I, especially people that, say they don't like cardio it's it's like there's a stigma to it that you have to be so fast and you have to be the best at it and you could run a 12 minute mile and that could be you could feel super accomplished like don't pay attention so much to like how far you're running associated with the time just go run until you can't run anymore run a mile run two miles seriously just you're you're in competition with yourself and that's another thing too is people every time they go to the gym I hope that they're going for themselves, not not to be, mm. oh, I want to look like this or I want to be like this. Like you should do it because you yourself want to reach a goal. And again, that's with running track. You know, I want to get to, I want to drop my time by five seconds. This is what I need to do to get there. And, you're, you know, you're yeah. focusing on yourself. So I actually used to work at a gym and everyone would always ask me, Marley, why do you have running so much? And there's so many different reasons as to why I love running. But the, at, at the end of the day, it's it's something that just makes me feel really good at the end of the day. It's something that I can helps me mentally, helps me emotionally, helps me. It's almost like journaling for some people. You know, it's I if I'm frustrated, I go on a run. If I'm happy, I go on a run. If I'm sad, I go on a run. <laughs> it's just it's instilled in me. It's just a part of me. So don't feel like you have to be the best at it. Um, if you run a marathon or half, half marathon or anything like that, start with the 5k, start small, see if you like it. If you walk, if you walk in between, that's fine. You'll get better. Just take your time, you know, running, building, it's, it's like a mountain. You start here. It's super rough, but once you reach your peak, the entire time you're just enjoying yourself, that that's the runner's high. Like you have to build yourself up to that point. And once you're there, it's just smooth sailing all the way down. It's the best feeling in the world. Oh, I have to trust you on that. I, I certainly have never gotten to the peak. It's getting up to the peak that I struggle with. The, the guy who owns um, Spire Fitness, I got I got uh, talking to him because he's also a very avid tennis player. I actually had a hit with him when I was there. Um, and he did he did uh, Ironmans, which, you know, there's marathons and there's Iron, Ironmans, like the Kona, I think it's in Kona. And it's like, oh, that's like a marathon. And then, oh, by the way, do a really long swim. And then, oh, by the way, well, do a really long bike ride. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. Try I out. also don't like swimming. It's like the two things. It's like, yeah. oh, God, I, anyway, put all the things I don't like in one sport. Um, let, let's move on to the, the entrepreneurship side and also 2020. Because, I mean, you mentioned that you started support local uh, Milwaukee in 2020. Yes. 2020 for a lot of people, not just in pageant land, was very rough. Obviously, it was unprecedented. I don't think that word's ever been used as much as it was in 2020 and still moving forwards. Um, so the entrepreneurship side of it and the and the 2020 mm -hmm. side of it, I guess, tell us how your 2020 was and then also how you got into – you already said you can't sit still. Literally, yeah. you have to run all the time. Um, how did you get involved in the in the entrepreneurship side of things? Yeah, so I when March hit and everything closed down um, two weeks later, I as well as so many other people, like hundreds of thousands of people, lost their job. Mm. So for about two months, and I, I've been through a lot of things in my life, like a lot of highs, a lot of lows. But for some reason, 
when I lost my job, I just I I had nothing to do. And again, that's hard for me. And I just hit an ultimate low. I even had trouble leaving the house sometimes because I would go on walks or I would force myself to go on walks just to keep my my sanity alive and just to help with anxiety and depression um, because I I had nothing to do really. And that's, that was a very first time for me for, to have nothing on my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I would go on these walks, this is when I was living in third ward. Um, I would go to 89 stone Creek all the time and I would get a cup of coffee and I would chat with the staff because at that point that was like the only human interaction I really had yeah. <laughs> those days. And I, I mean, I love them too. Um, then I would just go on a walk. I would start, I would walk by the hone. I'd walk under the hone. There's a park behind the hone as well, the Lakeshore Park. Walk around there. Sometimes I'd walk all the way past uh, like Bradford Beach. I'd walk for miles, 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 miles. Um, I'd walk downtown, Third Ward, East Side. And that's when you started seeing a whole bunch of businesses closed down, boarded up. Um, some of them, their logos were just stripped off of the building because they just were already done. Um, it, it affected a lot of businesses. And I love two things. I love local and I love digital marketing. So instantly I wanted to see how I could help. So I started Googling and Facebook, uh, joined Facebook groups to see which local businesses I could support. Um, that also just helped me mentally and emotionally. And what I ended up finding is the the inconsistencies of hours and postings. And if I were to join a group, I'd have to scroll and scroll and scroll to find that one restaurant I was looking for. So support local Milwaukee started on Instagram. And then we turned into (laughs) Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and I built a website. Uh, And then from that point on, it just, it blew up. I would basically try to find local businesses that were still open in the area. And I'd help them uh, market that. I would basically follow them on Instagram, follow them on social, see if they had both, see if they wouldn't reach out to them, make sure these hours were correct, make sure that they were actually open. Um, And then every time they decided that they were opening because they had been closed, I would announce that. And it just created a local business community in the city. And um, now what's happening with it is I am entering into pitch competitions. So I just had one with a uh, one entre- woman entrepreneurship group that I was in. I have another one on Monday and then I just applied for another one. Um, so it's it's been amazing. It's been a lot of fun. Um, but the whole point of it was to raise awareness and support for these local businesses in the city. And as I was doing it and as we were growing, I realized why, why stop in Milwaukee? You know, why not expand in and around the city? So now um, I'm working on that and it's, it's been fun. It's been a lot of work, but it's been fun. I absolutely love it. How did you, um, just in terms of, you said you looked up the small businesses and I've owned a small business for as long as I can remember. How did you find they were doing in terms of their sort of social presence, their online presence? Were they sort of keeping on top of it? Because my experience has been a small business. You're spending so much time interfacing with customers, especially if you've got a retail store and you need to, you need to open up, you need to serve your customers. Even in 2020, there may not have been as many customers, but you still need to do all that. And then for a lot of them, like I love social, but for a lot of other business owners, they're like, oh, it's something I have to do. So where were, where were people, these small businesses in terms of their online presence? 
Yeah. So one of the biggest things I like to say is these business owners really had to pause and pivot. They had to reimagine their new consumer. And this was probably the, for some, the rude awakening that, you know, our world is digital and e-commerce is here and e-commerce is real and relevant. Um, if they didn't have a website, they'd had to figure out how and how they were going to get one like right away, you know, like they had to figure this out immediately. And um, in terms of social media, in terms of marketing for themselves, they were just trying to figure out how are we going to sell? How are we going to, you know, put up these new safety precautions? How are we going to get people in the door when people can't even leave their houses? So basically um, that's where I came in and basically was a digital asset and it helped create their digital footprint and a voice, almost a megaphone for them in the digital Mm -hmm. space because they, one, they didn't have time to do it. And two, Um, I noticed that they were struggling. They would say, here's our hours we're posting, but the inconsistencies you would see, um, they wouldn't understand the concept or the idea between uh, how to use tagging or uh, hashtags and stuff like that, you know? Uh, So I almost stepped in and showed them how to do it properly. And now I have people uh, mentioning us in stories and tagging us uh, on our support local Milwaukee hashtag. uh, So I can share that and repost it and get it out into the community. So. Yeah, it, it's funny because you mentioned that a lot of them, it was a rude awakening. And I was yeah. listening to a digital marketing podcast just the other day. And they said, he said that the pandemic, actually, they estimate that it fast forwarded sort of the, the progress of digital marketing about seven years or something, just in terms of because so many businesses suddenly couldn't do anything in person that they were forced to suddenly adapt, like, you know, schools doing classes by Zoom. I know a lot. And it's interesting to me because a lot of the teachers, they're not old. They're like early 20s. And even they struggled big time to get onto something like Zoom. I mean, not every not every business struggled during the pandemic, right? I mean, Zoom went through the roof. Yeah, it did. Uh, Amazon <laughs> went through the roof. There are some yeah. people who did very, very well. Yeah. Um, so it's not everyone who struggled. Uh, yeah. In terms of digital marketing, though, this is probably the question that I really wanted to ask you. Yeah. What is it that you love about digital marketing? Because I find there's not necessarily a lot of people who love it, but you know when you meet someone who does love it, because you can talk to them about it and then you can talk for hours and hours and any normal sane person would have fallen asleep or just have got up and walked away. And I would still be there talking about it because I don't care. So what is it about digital market marketing that you love so much? Yeah. So obviously I would be dumb to just not recognize the fact that there's negative connotations when it comes to social media. Um, But at the same time, when social media is used, what it was created for, it has the ability to just, create movements it has the ability to tell stories it has the ability to do so much and when someone is meet myself who's involved in you know all these aspiring projects and i can see that and i see the ability as to what you know having something like that on a digital space can do that to me is why i love digital so much is the fact that when it's again used correctly and used the right way it can it can do so many good things so it's i love it (laughs) and you've just started podcasting as well that's been a relatively recent thing i think i read one of your posts that you said you 
I think you were in a car accident or something. Yeah. And then you'd be putting the podcasting off. And then after that, you just decided to go for it. You didn't need the fancy equipment and all of that. Yeah. And I mentioned this because I know a lot of people in pageant land, it's not so much a YouTube channel or the TikTok they want to start. For some reason, it's a podcast. So how did you find getting the podcast up and running? Because a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. So I, again, so starting support local too, I, I just taught myself, I said, I need a website and I, I can't afford to pay someone to do it. So I'm going to figure it out. And I taught myself how to do that with podcasts. So if I set my mind to something and I knew eventually I was going to do it, no matter what obstacles were thrown yeah. into my way, I basically Googled and watch YouTube videos and yeah. watch recommendations as to what speaker phones, what headsets, uh, what kind of environment could I do? Uh, and some people even said like, you don't need a microphone. You can just record it on your iPhone and all these other things. And so when my car accident happened, I, I mean, I was set to launch my podcast around then. And that just financially pushed me back mentally and emotionally pushed me back. And it was, it was a lot, <laughs> especially entering into 2021, you know, with that experience, it was, it was a lot. And I just one day decided I I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this thing. It doesn't have to be perfect. The ideas out there, I'm telling stories that I just need to get it out there. I just need to do it. And so I I did it. <laughs> and it's been fun. And the whole purpose is just to tell untold stories of the local, you know, leaders and legends in the city. And people, you know, sometimes will ask me, like, why am I doing this? It's because when it comes to marketing, people sometimes don't want to talk about themselves or talk about their story. And I want to get to know the reason as to why they just dove into entrepreneurship and why it came to be what it is. And that whole journey is important to me. So I want to share that story and I want to inspire others to do it and never, never look back. <laughs> it's so interesting to me. You mentioned the whole stories aspect because yeah. I think stories, the ability to tell a story is one of the most pivotal facets of marketing the old adage goes stories sell facts yeah. tell and i literally like i've done over 200 interviews now released three books and it's all been predicated not on telling everyone about me like who am i who cares about me but yeah. helping everyone else tell their story and i don't know if you found the same and i, I think you have yeah. given how fast you've grown but have you <laughs> found that telling other people's stories rather than yeah. going look at me look at me look at me yeah. has really sort of helped you grow really quickly. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't even, so when I started to support local Milwaukee too, I didn't ever want to say, oh, this is me. Look what I started. Look what I'm doing for the community. It was, no, the community needs help. You need to pay attention yeah. to the X, Y, and Z. And that was the same with local legends is that's kind of how that idea came into fruition was how can I better help these local business owners or local leaders, or how can I better advertise the city? And it was that story aspect. It was telling the other side of the story because people are already in love with your business and they know about it, but what else could we do to, you know, expand off of that? And that's when local legends came into, you know, ideation. And I just, I took and ran with it. <laughs> it's a great idea. It's a, it's an absolutely amazing idea. So now I just want to ask you that the, overlap between pageantry and entrepreneurship because I've been going over this in my head for probably the last two years yeah. um, and I've been saying that a lot of a lot of pageant girls their struggle is particularly if they have a platform or advocacy 
they either can't build the social following or no one appears to be listening to them. Now, I have found during 2020 and 2021, obviously organic growth is slowing down. There's more people jumping onto online. It's more competitive, etc. Algorithms change, got that. But in terms of how to grow an advocacy or grow your platform, platform on on social as an as a pageant girl yeah from your entrepreneurship experience like what advice would you give to pageant girls who are trying to grow their online presence yeah so what i would do i i don't know if i would necessarily combine them i so when i started support local i didn't even have you know pageants in mind it was more of this is what i would want to do regardless of if it's relevant to pageantry or not this is what i want to do if I were to win, this is what, like, it doesn't even matter. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I would say find something that, I mean, is interesting to you. I mean, obviously if it's your platform, that's interesting enough, right? Mm. So go out and do things that at the end of the day, is this something that you as a person would want to do? Is this something that makes you happy and means like it's fulfilling your life? Is that something that at the, if you were to look back on this, like even five months later from now is that something that you would agree with do you know what i'm saying like don't don't force it just naturally just if it's a part of you let it be a part of you and just kind of advertise that and again with the algorithm um so support local walkies its own page i have my brand and again you know when those two worlds i mean they're starting to collide and they're starting to crash Mm. and in the best way ever (laughs) Because it almost is because I feel like I haven't told my side of the story yet. And again, that's where stories come in. You know, put a story with it. Don't just say, this is what I believe in and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Don't just join an organization to join an organization. Why are you joining this organization? Tell yeah. that story. Uh, that That's no matter what algorithm you're facing, your story is the most important thing and that will perform well no matter what. It's so funny you say that because I I keep sharing other people's stories. And then the other day, um, someone had told me quite a long time ago that you should tell more of, like, I should tell more of my own story. It's like, no, who wants to know about me? But I just put up this really random casual post with the silliest, I'm wearing a fedora or something, and I have this, like, weird and sunglasses, girl sunglasses, and I'm doing, like, this in the photo. And I just put a whole bunch of like literally the most random facts yeah. that I could about me, like pet peeves, <laughs> right? And yeah. that post did, it's probably the best doing, best post that I've done in 2021. There were so yeah. many people who were interested in that. Yeah. I'm like, why? What, but <laughs> <laughs> because and they literally report, oh, it's so good to know, like, you know, the, the, the story behind the person who does all that stuff. So have you found that people are wanting to find out more about you? I mean, you started this amazing online presence. You're, you're helping people in a very fundamental way. Have you found people going, why did you start it? Because that's a question that I always get asked. Yes, yes. I. So again, like I said, when I first started it, I never really associated my name or branding with it. And I'm actually still within that process. Some people still don't go, oh, you started this? You know, yeah. even some people who are close to me, they're like, what? It's you. <laughs> You, you? And once they get over that wave, it's why yeah. <laughs> like this is incredible. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 but I don't know. It's just crazy. I, I just don't want, or I didn't want to think people, I, I was starting this because um, it was the give back or, or any negative association mm-hmm. or anything like that. And telling that story, even like, even if you're yourself 
and you post something that you personally don't like or you personally think isn't going to be helpful and you share something like that, it could be the best post of your life. Like even as far as pet peeves go, and it resonates with people. Some of the things that you think you're alone on, you share it, right? And so many people are like, me too. Or they're just like, (laughs) so I think that might be the reason as to why it performs so well, because, you know, you didn't really think you had this in common with someone. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, inboxing you like, let's talk about this. Because I feel the same exact way. (laughs) So, yeah. It's so funny you mentioned that because I do a lot of stuff with the girls over in the UK and um, I I saw this definition of what British is. It's to get crazy passionate about something that really doesn't matter. So, for example, um, scones or scones, as you would say, I have this argument with my podcast co-host all the time in terms of scones, whether you put the jam on first or the cream first. And... (laughs) You know, it's not like a valuable post that's adding to anyone's life. But yeah. someone literally messaged her saying your arguments with Adrian, like literally are making my life because it was something that I think it was very real and it was it had a bit of humor to it. Um, in terms of pageantry, and then obviously you've got the crossover for yourself with the digital marketing. And I completely agree with what you said in terms of your platform. I think if you're doing something and you started it and you're going to keep doing it regardless of the, the, the pageant yeah. result, that's a fundamental. In terms of a pageant girl let's say, who wants to grow their online presence, what are like one, two or three tips that you could give them? Yeah. So make it personable. Again, make it personable. Uh, two, tell your story. And three, a lot of people that I see nowadays are sharing, you know, quotes or, or something about their mm-hmm. life or something that's impactful. So I would start with those three things and just kind of build your brand off of that. So I actually did that myself. So moments with Marley is I turned it into a brand. I, once I taught myself how to build websites, I was building websites for just everything. And one of those things was for my brand. And so I think that also kind of helped me think through that, that question you just asked too was, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I, what am I doing with my Instagram? Because another thought too, I had was if I look back on my Instagram 15 years from now, what am I going to think about myself? Am I going to, you Mm. know, Facebook, you can like hide photos from when you were younger, when you had glasses (laughs) or something like that. But when you look at Instagram, it's, it's something that, you know, it's there, it's permanent. So when you put a message out there, is this something like you need to think through these things? This is like a part of my brand. This is what I believe in. This is the stories that I'm trying to tell. Think about all of those things. I mean, that's a lot of things to think about, but it's important. You know, it's it's important, especially if you're building a brand is what you're doing, essentially. Yourself yeah. is a brand. That's what you're doing. How difficult did you find um, learning how to do your own website? Because it's kind of like the podcasting thing. A lot of people never get started because they assume it's going to be really difficult. And mm-hmm. then with that assumption, they Google and they get overwhelmed and never start. So just yeah. for the record, how, how difficult did you find it to start a podcast or to design a website, things like that. Yeah. So again, don't go into it with the mindset that everything has to be perfect because there really isn't anything that's perfect in this world, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Just I use Squarespace and there's Wix out there. There's WordPress out there. There's even plugins that I started integrating into my websites that you can do. Um, If you really want to get it fancy, there's even coding that you can do within each of these. Um, obviously these are basically no cold tools, so you can just kind of plug in and design templates and everything like that. It's really, it's, it's that simple. <laughs> it's really that simple. You just have to start. And, it, and that's kind of with everything in life. Like don't, don't be afraid to fail. 
just if you fail, I mean, that's going you're one step closer to success. Uh, and if it's as simple as building a website or a podcast, I mean, I'm still learning. <laughs> I, I literally use GarageBand to edit my podcast. And just the other day, so I have experience in Premiere, so Adobe Suites, and I can edit a video in Premiere. But for, for some reason, GarageBand, I was like, how do I cut and edit this out? And so I had Google. And it's seriously when I learned how to do it, I was like, wow, this is the easiest thing in the entire world. But I learned how to do it. And I faced my fears (laughs) as to how to get rid of that little small increment. And, you know, I figured it out. And now I have my episode two up. So it's just you just have to conquer your fears. (laughs) There was a pageant girl uh, over in the UK who started her podcast and she varies very much like she's 21 but she's very much not a tech person at all and she was trying to edit her podcast for the first time she didn't know that you can use like the arrow keys to move forwards and backwards frame by frame so she would literally play her podcast and then try and hit with the space bar like pause it at the exact time that she wanted to cut and she said adrian it took me like eight hours to edit my first episode and it was like a 20 minute episode like what are you doing? And it's just, it's, you know, when you start, there's that stuff you don't know, you don't know. But yep. I mean, with the, the digital space, the thing is like, that shouldn't stop you because even for the experts, the digital space changes so quickly. You're all, there's always something more to learn. Yeah. Um, have you, have you found that yourself? Because I mean, I've been doing this. I use Adobe all the time and Squarespace, yeah. but um, it's just changing all the time. Yeah. And so even, so the way I can I can compare that. So like when I first started modeling, I, I dove right into it. Right. I, I mean, I didn't know a single thing about, you know, ways to look, um, poses, angles, none of that. I knew none of that. And like camera, you know, yeah. I knew nothing. And so looking at some of my first shots compared to my shots now, I'm it's night and day. And, you know, it's kind of the same with podcasting. You know, I'm going to look back on these podcasts and be like, I can't believe people actually downloaded these. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, the same with digital marketing uh, or graphic design. I started doing, I taught myself graphic design. And now that I'm doing it more and more and uh, getting better at it, I'm able to create better content. And so some of the older content, I call it the creative process you have to be patient with. It's it's very fragile. <laughs> and there's some days where I'll create, even now I'll create something and I'll sit on it for a couple of days and then just completely restart. And I like to look yeah. back at where I where I first had it to now. And it's it's almost yeah. like it's again night and day. It's completely different. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing, honestly. You just have to start. Yeah. You just have to do it and never stop learning. <laughs> I'll be very interested to hear from you when you hit like episode 50 or episode 100 yeah. and just to hear what you think about episode one when you've done a hundred of them. Cause yeah. I look at my first interviews that I did like four or five years ago and it's yeah. really cringe. I, I look so <laughs> awkward. I sound so robotic. It's, it's really embarrassing, but I, I at the same time, I still, I, I leave it up there because yeah. I like looking at it just to remind myself of, you know, this is how far I've come um, yeah. in three or four years. So I'll be interested to hear from you, see whether you find the same journey. Um, just before we move to the wrap up, uh, in terms of your goals, just in general, obviously with the entrepreneurship, but everything else as well, because yeah. everything changes so quickly, especially in this day and age. Yeah. Do you have any long-term goals like a year from now? I mean, that's scary, yeah. but you know, a year goal probably could be classified as long-term now. A year from now, two years, five years, 10 years down the track. 
Yeah, I actually have so many plans. <laughs> I I mean, eventually with Support Local Milwaukee, I, I call it my sleeper account and my sleeper plans, which will be Support Local Wisconsin. So basically what I'm going to do is stack Support Local Milwaukee and just take that through each you know city and provide that throughout the state. Um, again, I'm entering into pitch competitions. So this is where I'm starting to tell the story of Support Local Milwaukee. I'm also telling the story of myself and you know why, why I'm even going about doing this um, and why it's a resource. So Within a year from now, I hope to, uh, with these pitch competitions, especially this one I'm applying for, I, ho I hope to get that uh, opportunity to present it. So if I do get that uh, in June, I'll be competing semi-regionals and then statewide. My goal is to play statewide. <laughs> uh, and then within a year, uh, I, I eventually want to have my own brick and mortar. I want to start growing my team and then start executing all the plans within the pitch. Uh, same with local legends. That's, I mean, they're one and the same. Uh, I currently work at my full-time job and I, I honestly love it there. So if, if there's a way that I could somehow, uh, you know, do what I love doing and then also continue that, um, uh, that relationship, that would be very important to me. Uh, and then same with light the home. Uh, I love that project and I absolutely love, uh, doing social for them. So it's, it's almost like everything that I have going on. I don't see that ever changing, really. Um, and then in terms of pageantry, I'm going to compete until I age out. <laughs> and I'm just going to wherever that takes me, it takes me. And I'm just going to, you know, be myself at the end of the day. And I mean, that's all you can really do. So. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've got the final 10 questions. I always end the interview with the same 10 questions. Uh, before we do that, anyone you want to give a shout out to just for supporting you along your journey, pageant, entrepreneurship, and otherwise? Yeah, I mean, there's so many freaking people. Um, I mean, first, I want to thank all my sponsors. Uh, you know who you are. And same with my pageant coach who commented. Uh, I absolutely love you. You're my very best friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So I, I have so many shout outs. And, you know, same for all the people that just support and believe in me. You know, I thank you every single day, especially at my lowest points. You picked me right back up. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. And uh, 2020 had a lot of low points for yeah. a lot of people. So you're sure. certainly not alone there. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully better better things on the horizon. Final 10 yeah. questions. All right. Here, this is as pageantesque as we're going to go. Number yeah. one, what is your favorite word? My favorite word, um, I would say magic. Oh. <laughs> that's that that's a first it's not very often after doing 200 of these things that someone gives you an answer that you've never heard before okay <laughs> i like that okay number two what is your least favorite word can't that's all i have to say <laughs> I like I like you to watch this back and look at your facial expression even when you said that word. It's like a little kid being told no to their lollipop. It's like, mm, okay, I'm going to do it just to prove you wrong. Uh, okay, question. I know I know that attitude all too well. Question three: In life, what gets you excited? What turns you on? I would say coffee for one for two meeting new people immersing myself in people and again that's been super hard with everything going on this past year but i naturally miss social butterfly it's it's me being a, an extreme extrovert and just being out in the community and being out with people i absolutely love that i love those conversations how do you take your coffee by the way 
Didn't ask. I, so I don't drink dark, like all black coffee. I actually drink it with almond milk. That's a new development because I, if I were to have it my way, it would be a vanilla latte or a white pepper mimoka. I, those are my favorite things. And I'm trying not to go to coffee shops all the time and spend money. So now it's coffee and almond creamer. <laughs> okay. The coffees you mentioned, it's like, are there, is there actually any coffee in those ones? Because when I get those ones, it's like, where's the coffee? Because I have the black coffee. Those are the ones that are like, where's the coffee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, number four. Uh, so that was what turns you on. What turns you off? I would say, well, that's a really good question. Um, every time that I see someone that's defeated or I see someone that feels like they're alone. So in terms of social media, I live on digital and some of my friends sometimes um, I'll see them very inconsistent with posting or I'll see them uh, post something that is very like, I don't even know how to, what the word is. It's, it's worrisome to me. So I, I hate when people are down. I hate seeing when people are down and I naturally just want to pick people right back up. So that that's something that I, I mean, again, I'm an extreme extrovert. I, I flourish around people and I, you know, kind of mimic how they feel. And if, if someone's down, I'm down. If someone's happy, I'm happy. So I, I absolutely hate seeing when people are sad. <laughs> yeah. And again, 2020 was not a good year for that. So oh, yeah. I'm you yeah. on that one uh question five what sound or noise do you love i love the sound of rain absolutely love the sound of rain i love the smell of rain i love everything about rain <laughs> do you run in the rain yes actually yeah. i was known to perform better in the rain than i was to perform in the sun so <laughs> like how does, how does that work I have no idea. I, I think everyone <laughs> kind of feels defeated running in the rain, like competing in the rain. It's not fun. It's really not fun. I mean, you're sprinting and you can't even see where you're going. Yeah. And for some reason, I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't <Okay>. know. <laughs> All right. That, that's Different another first. Okay. Question, question six. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know how to answer that. I would say, oh, ooh, I got this. So I, I love thunderstorms, but the strike of lightning. Um, so when you see a flash of lightning and then you hear a really loud mm -hmm. boom, that scares the heck out of me. And I, I love the initial rumble of the thunderstorm. And I know I'm talking about rain and it goes like condescending with it. But I honestly... When the thunderstorm gets out of control, I get really scared. <laughs> and I probably go hide with my bunny. So <laughs> I know I know the sound you mean is that crack because you hear the rumble. Yeah. It's, especially if it's close, it's a very sudden crack. Yes. Um, it's, also, yes. it's also not good to be working on social media, just for the record, when you hear that, because I actually had my computer blown up by a lightning strike through the modem. So yeah, be very, wow. very careful. Oh my gosh, note yeah. to self. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was lying on the couch because I was sleeping on the couch because I just was working so much and I saw my computer just go boom and, and you I were... was like I saw it and I knew in instinctively I knew what had happened yeah and I knew there was nothing I could do about it so I just kept yeah. on sleeping and, it was, it was... and then 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, and then, and then my, cause it's like an entrepreneur, you got to deal with everything. And then my dad yeah. woke up and he said, Oh, you know, I think this is Dan. I think your computer's blown up. And like, yeah, I mean, oh, well. nothing I can do about it. Just got to <laughs> get a new one. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. That's crazy. It can happen. So be very careful. Um, oh, if you just blow, like I was lucky I was able to retain my data, but yeah. it just blew everything up through the phone line. It was a strange, not through the power line. Cause I had surge protection. Yeah. It came through the phone line. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> wow. What out for that one? It's a real yeah. thing. Uh, qu question seven. If you could have any superpower, what would you pick and why? Teleportation because, and I've thought about this several times. I've been asked this question several times. And mm -hmm. the reason why teleportation tops everything is because I've actually never traveled outside of the United States. And I would love the ability to just travel wherever I'd want to. <laughs> Absolutely. As someone coming from Australia, it takes us 24 to 48 hours to get anywhere. Yeah. I, I can definitely second That's that one. Wild. <laughs> uh, question eight. This would be a difficult one for you. What job or occupation other than your own would you most like to attempt? And I say it's difficult because you've done so many things. So yeah, go for it. This this question is actually not difficult for me. So I actually originally went to college for nursing. So I, that would be something that I want to try. Um, another one would be to become a lawyer, uh, which is ironic because I do marketing for a law firm right now. So, <laughs> so it'd be nursing or a lawyer. Those would be my two. Wow. Okay. Question nine, what job would you definitely not like to attempt? Okay. Well, that one's easy. <laughs> um, okay. To be honest, I would probably not do well as anything in terms of beauty, like when it comes to like hair or makeup. I mean, I have the social, the social part of it. Again, I'm a social butterfly, but when it comes to, I can't even braid my own hair. Like I can braid it one, but I can, and I can do two, but for some reason I can do one side perfect. And then this side, it's like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, <laughs> so that clearly is not in my uh, talent. <laughs> <laughs> not one of my okay. I can curl it, but that's about it. <laughs> so makeup, nails, yeah, just, I, I no. Just, I couldn't do it. <laughs> lashes. It's like one of my friends, the first time she put on eyelashes because she'd never done that before. Yeah. She pretty much glued her own eyes shut. Yeah, I so, mean, I, um, can I can do it on myself, but like if my little sister asked me to do her hair, it's like I... <laughs> I take the responsibility. You're on your own. You said you wanted me to do it, so here we go. <laughs> Okay, final question. Yes. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I would love to hear him say that there is an unlimited coffee bar, that there's coffee shops, that there's puppies there. <laughs> Everything that I ever wanted, <laughs> I would like to hear him say that. <laughs> well, um, I really hope, hope to God that heaven does have good coffee because if not that would be incredibly incredibly disappointing um well marley that's that's about it thank you so much for your time yeah thank you for interviewing me this has been absolutely awesome it's it's felt more of like a conversation so i appreciate that <laughs> It's generally the way it goes. As I said, I've done 200 of these things and people yeah. ask me for lists of questions. And I said, I've done 200 interviews. I've never once had a list of questions because yeah. I like to follow the conversation. I love um, that. But also, 
thanks to everyone uh, watching, um, whether it's been live or on the replay. Marley, I'll keep you on the line for just a second uh, whilst we wrap up. Uh, okay. But thanks for watching. Thanks for watching, and we will speak to you next time. Thanks for watching. Just a reminder to you, entrepreneurial types, to come and join us at our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the pageant boss. I'll see you inside and see you in the next episode.